Yes. Yes, so we are on the topic of trust. And, um, and Sandy and I showed yesterday that we trusted God in the studio. The radio just went, we didn't bat an eyelid. We still don't know why it happened. Must have been something to do with the weather. When, when you trust God, you are rock solid. Rock solid. Really. And I feel so sorry for these people who are in these conspiracies. Oh, my word. Oh, oh, who's that at the door? Oh, my. I, it, it's nonsense. It's not the way to live. And once again, I'm speaking about the life of Peter going to a di different text. I'm almost going to say, after Peter showed or demonstrated, as you say, that he didn't trust Jesus by the three denials, when Jesus said to him, after he denied Satan, when you come back to me, strengthen your brothers, I am going to almost say, if there's a word after that, I would associate with Peter after denial. It's trust. Peter was a man who was firm in Christ. And he shows this, 1 Peter 5, verse 6. <clears throat> and we have a formula going on here. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Let me tell you something. You have to start there. You have to start there. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of your creator, that he may exalt you at the proper time. What are we doing? What is Peter asking you to do there? Listen, because of Satan in Eden, the equation got out of whack, right? We're putting the equation back together again. It's you now under your creator, not you trying to be creator, you humbling yourself under your creator. What are you, what am I doing when I'm humbling myself under my creator? God, I'm fallible. God, I have flaws. God, I'm limited. God, I am contained. God, I am, uh, uh, this is, my life is just a vapor compared to you. God, because of all of this, I need you. I need you. That's what you are doing. You know, in your own way, you're always saying, God, if I was in that garden, I know Adam did it, but I would not have eaten from that tree that you told me not to. We're putting things back in order now. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And this is why Satan, right, is Satan. Because no, God, no, you didn't create me. I'll have a bigger kingdom than yours. I'll exalt my throne above the stars, above the most high. No, I want the other uh, angels to be worshiping me. That's what he's saying. Really. Humility is a consistent theme throughout the Bible. If somebody is arrogant, the puppet master is the devil. 
I'm telling you, really, the puppet master is the devil. Somebody is arrogant. Their strings are being controlled by the devil. You know, you know, one of the most humbling things in extra biblical literature is when they're talking about Christ, about the Judas kiss, you know, and they're going out to arrest him. Well, you know, how will we know him? And Judas is, you can't know him. Because he's so humble. He blends in. He's not there. Look at me, Jesus. Look, yo, hey, this is Jesus Street. No, and Jesus even talks about all of the people on the day of the Last Supper that lauded over you when they're asking, oh, Jesus, Jesus, can we sit at your right hand in your kingdom? You know, and he says, yeah, that has to be earned, but not by arrogance or pride, but by servanthood. And then what does he do? He takes the towels and he shows them. Yeah, it's great if you want to be great, but he redefines what great is. It's not look at me. Look at me. I'm the boss. Just call me boss, man. <laughs> Don't even call me by my, my, by my name anymore. Call me boss. Hey, boss. Yeah, that's me. No, no. Humbling yourself under God that he may exalt you at the proper time. That's the equation. God is going to exalt you at the proper time. You're getting your math wrong if you're exalting yourself. Casting. And then look when you get that in order. You're able to cast all of your anxiety on him. Because you've actually said now, God, I'm limited. God, I'm fallible. This world is big. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Right? All of that anxiety now you are able to give to him and he takes it. And with God, when you humble yourself, your anxiety doesn't boomerang back to you. It does if you're arrogant. It does if you are arrogant. You throw your anxiety to God. Well, arrogant people don't throw their anxiety to God anyway because they think that they can handle it. But if you're arrogant, if you're arrogant, it's a boomerang. So understand, humbling yourself and the prayer also, God, give me the grace to be humble every day. And that's because he cares for you. Be of sober spirit. All of this requires trust. So it's being of sober spirit. See, here's the thing. Arrogance and pride. You can be, it can be, it can be intoxicating. Don't think intoxication is only alcohol. No, you can be giddy with pride. You can be giddy with arrogance. Really, people get intoxicated on power. Really, people get intoxicated on fame, on finances, whatever the case may be. So be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Most arrogant people are not on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. If you 
Uh, so this is a message of trust, right? If I trust God, I will humble myself under his mighty hand. And I'm saying, God, I don't know what happened in the garden, but as for me, as for me, what happened in the garden, of course, that brought original sin into the world. But as for particular sin, which is each individual sin, right? I am saying, Lord God, I need you. I need you. I am limited, fallible. I can't do this by myself. And when you are a sober spirit, you have the discernment to see what the enemy is up to. People that get attacked and get eaten up by the enemy, they're arrogant people. They get destroyed by the enemy. As I said, I've got a book somewhere around there, The Rise and Fall of Practically Everyone. And it says how uh, major players in history were humbled. You know, really. And, and this is not coming, this is not even coming from a Christian perspective. But people are seeing, we've all seen the rise and fall of leaders because of their arrogance. Really, we've all seen it, right? So, and the greatest leaders are the one that stay, that stay humble, to say, God, I need you. Look at, I was listening to something the other day, and this person said, undeniably, Abraham Lincoln was the greatest leader. And why? It wasn't because of his skills. Abraham Lincoln failed in a lot of things before he became president of the United States. But the thing that this man had was such a humility. Really, a great humility. The people that we respect in the world, why do we respect them? Humility. Nelson Mandela wasn't the greatest president in the world in terms of savvy dealmaker and all that. But this man was so humble. Really, this is the way to our blessing, folks. But you have to trust God to be humble. You have to trust him. And arrogant people are trusting in themselves. Because our adversary the devil roams around like a roaring lion. But resist him firm in your faith. See, resist him firm in your faith. If you're starting off from that humility, this equation now enables you to resist him. If you're arrogant, you can't resist it. He's the one who's pulling your strings. You're not going to resist him. Please. It's, you're the one who's, who's you're, you're giving him a piggyback. You're not resisting him. No, you're not able to. You're in his realm now. But resist him firm in your face, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. Listen, here's the thing, right? See this letter? This letter was written to people who are being persecuted for their faith, right? It was written to people who are being persecuted for their faith. And this is why he says, knowing that your brothers are in the world are suffering. But listen, where the trust comes in. Listen to where the trust comes in. Look what's going to happen in verse 10. After you have suffered for a little while, 
right? So this suffering, if you get this equation in order, this suffering, you will be able to handle it. You're going to go through suffering in this world anyway. The most important thing I am telling you is not, oh, I trust I'm not going to go through any suffering. No, it's trusting that when I go through that suffering, it's going to produce something noteworthy inside of me. I got to tell you something now. When, now that I understand suffering, I would not want to live on this this planet without going through suffering because I know it develops character. Hebrews 5 verse 8, Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Of course, not in his divinity, but it, of course in his divinity, he is perfect. He has no potential. God doesn't change. God doesn't grow. Oh, God grew in character. God can't grow in character. All of his potential is realized. We're talking about in his humanity. And Jesus is our yardstick, right? Jesus is our yardstick. You know, Jesus represents, as I've said to you before in theology, the first Adam. The first Adam was supposed to grow in knowledge, right, of good and evil. He was, he was supposed to grow in knowledge of good and evil, but not in experience of evil. God doesn't have any experience of evil because if he did, he'd be simple, right? And so we were to grow in knowledge and we were to be getting that knowledge from God. Christ is our yardstick for that. So this suffering, this suffering is meant to produce something good. Job said, when he is done with me, I'll go forth as gold. After you have suffered for a little while, look at this. The God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. You know, the greatest thing, the greatest day in my life, I am going to say, I gotta say in terms of impact is when I understood the purpose of suffering. And I've been through a lot, but when, but not, but we're not understanding the purpose. When I understand that meaning, and that's why now today with that trust, I could, oh wow, there's gonna be growth. So I don't look at the suffering, I look, I look at the what it's going to produce, that it's going to produce something better. And Paul says that, that, that we know, I reckon, I reckon that this light affliction, light, he calls it very, very light, and imagery is used in there, is a scales, like, like the Lady Justice, right? Wow, wow, the... The, the, the suffering is up here and the glory is way, 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 weighing it down right here. Meaning that the glory is weightier than the suffering. And when you put those two things together, the suffering is almost like 
a little fly coming along, I'm bothering you, right? A little fly coming along, I'm bothering you. And then the glory is like a big elephant over on this side, right? No comparison, right? But trust is needed for that. Clearly, this is a man who is writing this who didn't know anything about suffering at the time. He did I cry. Oh, I don't know the man I told you. He wasn't talking about, well, I'll suffer for a little while. No, this is because of what he went through. And really, if we are trusting God, wherever you are right now, whatever suffering you're going through, it is just the raw material for the finished product. Really, it's the raw material for the finished product. You know, during the Industrial Revolution, the British were all over the world looking for raw materials for finished products, right? They were the leaders in that boom, 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 you name it, everywhere, right? But suffering is our raw material. We're going to go through it anyway. Understand one thing. You're going to go through it anyway. It's how you look at it, really. It is how you look at it. It develops character, really. You see people who are self-made men, and I've dealt with them. I was in the investment bit for a long, long time, and I dealt with people who inherited, who inherited all of their stuff. The self-made men were always nicer people than the one because they'd been through something. They are of understanding. They have empathy. They have compassion. People who haven't been to any suffering, you know what? Well, all I'm going to say is they're typically not very nice people. But the suffering, it purges a lot of drugs out of you. But you've got to trust. You've got to trust in God that a finished product is come. Joe was in a lot of pain. But when he is done with me, I'll go forth as gold. That's the attitude that we have to have. We will be better. In fact, actually, the suffering purges out of you the dross that's in you that prevents you from living the more abundant life. Just like the process of assaying, right, which is getting all of the dross out of gold, prevents, takes all of the nonsense out of gold that prevents that gold from looking its best. Gold is very ugly when it comes out of the ground. Last thing you want to do is stick it in your ears, around your neck. Yeah, get that dirty thing around my, my neck. No. And so it's the same way. You wouldn't want to live the abundant life, right? Everybody wants to go to the party. Nobody wants to clean up. There's a price that we have to pay. There's a cost of discipleship, but it's worth it. And we have to trust that. But we talked about Peter, this man who, no, 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 I don't know him. And he is so calm. It's like he's writing from Starbucks. This man who's writing from prison. Yeah, I'm about to take off my tent, as the Lord has told me. Yeah. Oh, jailer, what's for dinner tonight? Oh, the meatloaf? You're good. I mean, really. This is how this guy is acting. He was so calm. They were in a prayer meeting. When he came, he was an angel opened the doors of the jail. He went and he knocked on the door. And that little girl, he was so calm, they thought he was a ghost. 
they thought he was a ghost. Just, hey, yeah, what's up? Yeah, anybody cook? Right, really, when, when you trust, it takes all of the anxiety away. If someone were to say, I'd give you everything in the world, but you're gonna have so much panic and anxiety, I'm gonna tell you something. Within a month or two, see all of that stuff in the world, take it away, give me my peace back. Give me my peace back. This is gonna get you the abundant life going through this process. Really, you have to trust that, that this will make you better. Peter did, look at Peter. Look, last thing this guy wants to do is go back to his fishing. So we have to trust in God's process in order to become the people that can live the abundant life, really. I'm telling you, all of this anxiety, I see people in conspiracy theories, all, all, super absorbed in things that are never gonna happen. They're tormenting themselves every day. So many of these people cannot sleep, insomnia, yeah, high blood pressure, high this, panic. It is nuts, can't focus at work because of conspiracy theories. That's bondage. That And Satan's the one who's doing all of that. And so now we have to trust in God's, God's, equation on how to live the uh, abundant life. And it starts with humbling ourselves. Really, it starts with humbling ourselves. And then we can cast all of our problems on to God. And our eyes are open up for the enemy when he comes. Because Jesus wasn't asleep at the wheel when he was tempted by Satan. He wasn't asleep at the wheel, no. He was ready for him. Because he'd humbled himself under the mighty hand of God. And that's what we have to do.